Stranger Than Christian is sponsored by MDD Staffing Incorporated. You know, when you're looking for professional in-home care, a meticulous level of detail is so important. You don't want to leave the most cherished elements of your life to just anybody. That's where MDD Staffing comes in. They are a premier domestic staffing agency working to fill household jobs with the absolute best candidates available. Their standards are high and their interviews are thorough because that's what their families expect. The result of this approach is top-notch care from experienced, fully vetted professionals. Owned and operated by one of the most sought-after professional nannies in Boston, MDD Staffing is committed to maintaining the highest standard of excellence in all of its placements. Nannies, babysitters, dog walkers, housekeepers, and so much more. For more information or to explore the services available to you, email mddstaffing at gmail.com, find them on Facebook, or visit mddstaffing.com. And The Wash Vintage clothing and accessories at unbelievable prices. Search for The Wash Vintage on eBay to browse a vast selection of rare, unique, and fashionable merchandise. Follow The Wash Vintage on Instagram to get an exclusive look at sales, promotions, and the new stock that's added each and every week. The Wash Vintage for the masses. Oh shit, yeah, I think we got it. Are you like too close? I'm not too close, no. <sighs> Uh, testing one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. And you say something. You gotta say like a long sentence. I love ravioli because it reminds me of my youth, and my youth was sweaty and saucy <coughs> like ravioli. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Taking in your room. It's cool, right? This is it. This is this is this is where I do all the stuff. This is where our comforter should go. It was. It's too late to take it back. Well. You don't listen to the show, though. I don't. Why? I don't know. I don't care that you don't. So you know what you I sound feel like, like some people. I feel right. <laughs> I feel like some people would care. I feel like some people are like, oh my god, she doesn't listen to it. You get enough of me during the day. I move forward a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, I was sorry. getting I was getting comfortable. It's okay. It's actually that chair is more comfy if you sit forward. Yeah. It does it does kind of feel yeah. like a dentist chair the other way. Um Yeah, no, I mean I I've listened to a few episodes, but I just let you do your thing. You know, it'd be like someone just standing over you if you were painting and just like watching every brushstroke and idea and revision of an idea. Um, I don't want to watch you do your thing, but like, if you said, oh, it's a really good one, I'll, I'll listen to it. Yeah. Cause like, I don't equate you listening to it with support. You support me by giving me the closet of our home <laughs> to, to like do it in. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause we could clearly like, we have coats and shit that need to be hung up and we have blankets and shit that are like under the board games for some reason. But you support me by allowing me this space in our house. You know what I mean? Like that. That's really cool. Well, yeah, I want you to have a space to do what you love. 
I hit the microphone. Is that? Yeah, I think that's fine. I'm surprised that this works with two people. It's in like here. it's nice and warm in here too. Oh, during the summers of. Oh, I know. Mess. You come I'm out like, and you look like you've been swimming. Yeah. Prowls. It's horrible. Well, I it was before I had all the soundproof foam too. I used to have just like the blanket. I used to hang the wool blanket over the over the railing. The imagery of that is very upsetting. Just a man sweating profusely with a giant wool blanket hung over his face and a microphone. It's like Conan said in the documentary when he was at Bonnaroo. It was like his comedy in a Native American sweat lodge. <laughs> <laughs> it's very upsetting imagery. Are you nervous? I am. Why are you nervous? You're because not even looking feels, at me. This feels important. I it's don't, well, not. You, it's because there's a special room I'm in now. This is the thing. This is the last episode that's going to be on the radio. Okay. So after this one, it's going to be back to the way it used to be where I just like don't edit and just put the shit out there and leave in all the little blips and bloops and stuff. That's going to be nice. People really like that. Yeah. I had no idea that people felt that. Str- I um, There's this guy that I interviewed or there's this guy that I had a conversation with back in like November, November, December. And he decided that he could do this, that it seemed like easy enough. He got an idea what the process was like. It's just, you know, gathering people and and recording the thing. So he started doing it and I was on his show a couple weeks ago and he said, and I, I had no idea that people felt this way, but he said, I liked the show better when it wasn't on the radio. The best part is the part you're not supposed to see. Well, and, that's how, and, and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm silly for even questioning that because that's exactly how I feel about about everything. Yeah. About every about all the TV that I like and shit. And I like all the behind the scenes, like you know, the rough edges and that kind of thing. Like I, I'm 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 fascinated with that kind of stuff. I don't know. When I thought about putting it on the radio, I think the idea was that like, oh, it's gonna be like a lot of people listening to it and stuff, and it's like New York radio and but I don't know. It just I didn't mean, happen. It's it's the time slot and the place are the romantic part of the idea. That, right. Having it at 2 o'clock in the morning, like, to me, felt like, oh, this is like a late night. I mean, it gives my heart a boner. Right. Like it that really midnight does. gospel kind of thing. Somebody mentioned that, too. Like, it's like big midnight gospel vibes. Um, but I think, I think in a perfect world, it would be all the bumps and bruises and lumps at 2 a.m. in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the best part, like I said, is the part you're not supposed to see. And that's same thing behind the scenes TV. Um, like even when they, like back in the day, I don't know what SNL is like now, but, um, when they used to break and fuck up and laugh or like, you know, um, anything that isn't polished yeah. is best. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I kind of lost sight of that well also because i didn't think that people were really into that aspect of it i thought i was because it sounds cool but the also like it sounds cool but the side effect of it also is that i don't have to edit a whole lot so this makes this a very easy relatively easy thing to make i think people are just excited to relate when things are kind of fucked up and things aren't perfect and it sounds like people don't maybe know what they're talking about or stutter or they had extra letters to words which I'm pretty good at. Oh, um, me too. Me too. <laughs> they they can relate, and then I think it puts them at ease, and then I think they enjoy it more. People are excited to talk to you. M- why? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. There you go. Someone End call it. in and tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, when I announced that I was leaving the station, the last thing I said in the announcement was that you, you're going to be the last guest on the radio. 
Guess and a is lot a of people were like, <laughs> but you're the first, you are the first person other than me that's ever stayed in here for like an, a period of time. It's probably good. Yeah, I don't want to I, I would appreciate there wasn't other people in your closet with you while I was not <laughs> on the premises. You're right. Uh, <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah, no, I'm not that exciting uh, as a guest, but I appreciate that. I'm usually out there on the other side of the door um, playing Animal Crossing a little too loud. That's getting, one thing that I like about having our living room downstairs now is that I don't have to open the door and say, hey, can you put it on like five? I used to hate having to do that because I feel like um, the, the feeling used to be a lot stronger a few months ago. And I feel like I've gone through some shit up in my noodle that's made that a lot smoother for me. But the one of the prevailing thoughts in my head was like, this is a nuisance. This is time you could be spending out there. This is time that you could be spending doing anything other than this thing that's serving yourself and only yourself. This is, this is, it's serving yourself in the way that it's your hobby and whatever, but it's, I mean, it's, it carries a greater weight than that. Cause it's not just you and your ego, it's you and your mental health and you and your creative health and you're in your spiritual health. It's, yeah. it's much more than that. That's just like how I used to think about it. And, and it's wrong. And I know I shouldn't think about it that way or I shouldn't have thought about it that way. But yeah, I used to like, I don't know. I wasn't very good at, and we're both working on this. I wasn't very good at spending time alone without feeling guilty about it. Sure. But I think that that also points to stuff in the relationship itself that was like we could work on. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I think everyone is kind of hardwired to feel like, especially when they're... Yeah, you hear the neighbor's phone ringing? Yeah. You could hear it. Oh man, I wish I had a phone. Yeah, you could hear you could hear his phone, and then he's been coughing for like three. I, months. He stopped for a while, and I thought he was dead. And you can hear it and hear it. I, I I'm surprised. You usually. Oh, I had a burp. You usually can hear it on the microphone. Him coughing? Can, no, like sometimes you can. Like if I put this all the way up. I don't want to mess it up because it's hanging right in the middle of sure. it right now. But if you put it up to the to the wall, like right now you can't hear anything. But when he's coughing, sometimes it comes through. I feel so bad for him. Yeah. I, I had that whole cough during COVID and uh, like in, in what, for three weeks? And um, I couldn't imagine. He, I mean, he's been coughing for, like you said, months at this point. Um, That's some shit, huh? Remember when you had COVID? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I derailed a part of, of what you were going to say. I don't remember. We're talking about the relationship. <laughs> that's, how, that's how this goes. Sometimes it just... It's fine. Bloop, 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 bloop. There you go. That, you know... So we were talking about um, us not being... Sometimes not being able to spend time doing oh, our own thing. I feel like people are hardwired to like... I mean, I don't know about now. I don't know what it's like to grow up now, you know, be like impressionable in like 16 through 20 i don't know six but um i feel like we're hardwired to feel like oh you should be a doting wife or a doting husband maybe not maybe not so much now i feel like uh, young young guys now play a lot of video games and just kind of sit around and i don't know i don't know what it's like now but i know i was brought up to be very like you know the man gets served dinner first and like pay attention. What does he want to do? Where does he want to go? What does he have to say? Um, but also like even in media, the media I watched growing up, I know it sounds silly, but like I watched a lot of Everyone Loves Raymond, like the Drew Carey show. And there's so many like little 
um, cues in, in, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Please help me. I'm very frightened and I ate too many Haribo fruit salad slices. <laughs> <laughs> no, what were, what were you looking for? Like, like, um, I don't want to say emotional cues, but like, I'm just. Or like social cues, societal yeah, cues. Like, yeah. um, you know, especially like the Drew Carey show. He had like a girlfriend and then she got fat and then it was like, oh, she's like, it's funny because she's fat. Like little weird shit. Like the guy is always funny and he can be like fat and chubby and funny and handsome, but the girl always has to be this or like. The wife is always nagging and like, Raymond, you fucked up something. You can't make dinner. You're too stupid and whatever. Like, and the mom's always going to be kind of a big pain in the ass and a bitch. And yeah, like, all the like overused like, yeah. tropes. Yeah, and, yeah, But yeah. like, I guess I was too young to realize that A, it was kind of going to be that way a little bit. Because like, I think everyone is just, it's just baked into their brain. And then B, like, doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, like, I don't know why. But I, I think about it, and I I use a lot of what I've learned about, um, I don't want to say gender roles, because that's, like, too vague, but just societal roles from, like, fucking TV. <laughs> I'm surprised a lot of that didn't carry over in my life. The TV that I grew up watching, a lot of the popular game shows, like, The Price is Right. I've grown, I've grown up with that show. And I love that show. I was I've on never the show. Seen that show. Oh, oh, you have. I, I, I I'm sorry. I made your voice I spaghetti. Stuttered. No, it's okay. No, you're good. I mean, like you've I, seen little bits of it, but you didn't grow up with it. You grew up with the Man Show and Juggy Girls show and, and Trampolines. Right. You yeah. grew up with that the way I grew up with The Price Is Right. That was okay. just like a thing. And a huge element of that is this like. It's it's fiercely anti-feminist. It is fiercely chauvinist. This idea that the women were there yeah. to model the prizes. They were there because sex looks good. You put titties next to a fridge and people are going to want the fridge. Titty fridge. Titties yeah. with it. You know what I mean? So Cold watch, and watching the show. <laughs> the fuck out. I can't. The door doesn't open from the inside. Actually, because of the because of the load bearing nature of our setup, I actually have to get out first. Uh, um, no, I think I think I'm choking a piece of foam. I felt it go through my throat. Oh, oh no! Um, last episode ever. Uh, I think. I think that's good. I don't think you picked up on those cues. Like I, I didn't. No, that's until... not what I was into. Like that. that no, that, you're like into that part the, of it. The noises and the lights and the guy in the suit noise being on, which is a conversation we had like really early on. And we for, I mean, I think it was like a month into us dating. Do you remember that at the diner? The concept of being on. We had a really deep talk because that was like within our first year. Not it was the first like years? six months. No, I feel like we. I mean, you might be right. Cause I, I feel like we were living memory. together. So it had to have been maybe like just about a year, maybe not even two years in, but really early because it's been almost a decade now. Holy shit. I know. Um, we had a really deep talk about our mentality as it related to wanting to perform and wanting to be on and be funny and be the guy or the girl or the Person. center of attention and sure. all that. Oh, when I was talking to Patrick a couple of weeks ago, Patrick, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> we um, we we touched on that a lot, yeah, and it, it made me feel the closest to the feeling I had talking to you that I did in a long time because it was like 
it was very relatable and I didn't know that. And then it's the same thing I went through when I talked to you at the diner that day. It was a lot of, there were a lot of feelings there that I did not realize happened in other people. This looks like a fucking NPR podcast. You're sipping from a fucking cup of tea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, quite. Uh, it's water. <laughs> uh, a and B, there's tea in it. So it's tea. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Um, Good night, America. I don't don't think... It's not super common to have that feeling, uh, at least locally to us, like where we are. um, Yeah, but we have trouble believing... Not trouble believing that. We have trouble understanding that, conceptualizing that some people don't give a shit about what they say. That boggles my mind. Or like they don't want to know the right thing to say. or that. Boy, howdy, I don't fucking get it. Really don't. Uh, Um... I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about where we live, and I, it's very upsetting. Our sound is really good. I'm surprised <laughs> that this good. is working so well. I hope you edit all the parts where I say, um, and and put them at different pitches and make it like jingle bells. Because that makes me laugh. Like the... Um, 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 All right. I'll try. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I haven't felt that way since we had that conversation. Like, I think my anxiety just kind of erased that part of me that wanted to do the maneuver and be funny. But you went to school to be funny. I mean, yeah, kind of. Explain to the people at home what you've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I took a cookie without asking, so now I'm in the podcast box. Uh, no, I when I was 17, I decided... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting notes here that there I should move in. Stop. You're destroying the The magic of it all? Okay. Just make sure you don't swallow any more foam, fucking podcast master. Um, (laughs) The ambiance. No, don't. You're going to get it in your eyes. Stop. The illusion. You're ruining it. I don't know how to edit it myself on your fucking MacBook, so don't get foam in your eyes. Um, No, when I was a kid, I... uh, I was a chubby little kid, and I didn't have a lot of friends. um, And... I started watching uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien on Comedy Central, which I think was station 40, no, it was 50 on Long Island. Uh, and Conan was very self-deprecating, uh, and it got the audience to laugh, and that made quite the impression on nine-year-old me. Um, you kind of, like, adopted it as a defense mechanism? I did, and but- I, I didn't realize that until we started dating, because you're like, you know, you throw to other, like, I throw to segments, I throw to commercial. Um, just like Conan would. Yeah, and, and like, it's, in real, it's, like in real life. It's horrifying, and um, it well, makes well, me proud. <laughs> well, it wasn't even it wasn't even that that I was... Not- I mean, I noticed that, hmm. but I thought that was cool, you know? Yeah. It was the idea it's completely that, involuntary. Like, self-deprecation, and, and, and I think that that was one of the things that I... Not in that conversation, but we talked about kind of early on, this idea that you don't have to make fun of yourself. Like, you're not in the danger zone. Sure. You know what I mean? That, like... That works on TV, but TV and a show like Conan's works because there's a lot of shit backstage that you don't see. Like that, you're right. only seeing one part of that machine. There are like writers and stuff. Oh and yeah, you know, nine-year-old me did not comprehend. Any oh yeah, of that. no, I'm sure. But like later on, when we were together, oh, sure. like I noticed you would like you would make fun of yourself before I quote unquote got a chance to make fun of you. you I was know like, what, I wasn't though, even thinking like it's that. It's the easy, and I hate to say it, it's the easiest way to get people on your side. How so? 
you open up that it's it's being vulnerable to some extent. Um, but, you know, I have a shaved head. Um, and so there's a lot of older people, people rather, uh, more conservative people where I work. And um, I get a lot of looks. And so what I like to do is if they, you know, I have a, I have a Chinese character tattooed to my neck that I don't know is like 15. Um, and so I like to just, if I notice they are looking at me, like, what the fuck is your problem? Um, I will make a joke. I will say something very self-deprecating, something that is, uh, honestly would be offensive if someone said it to me, but something that I feel like I can get inside their brain just enough to know what they're thinking or know what type of thing they're thinking and then let them know, like, I'm cool. So, like, when they ask me what the tattoo means on my neck, I used to when I was younger. This was probably one of the first little bits I wrote, uh, not in terms of comedy, but in terms of, like, customer service with a largely conservative population. Um, and I would say it means hope. As in, I hope I never make that mistake again. And I'm like, ha ha ha, that's so funny because you're young and dumb and you have a stupid tattoo. And that, uh, and and that is that mechanism in action. That thing of like, yes, they're asking you, and it's interesting that you assume them asking you is automatically them getting ready to make fun of you. Right. Because it, that wasn't always the case. Wasn't there a guy when you worked there? Like when I first met you, you were working at at, at, at the supermarket, and somebody, I think it was a guy, maybe a guy your age, had like, when you were away from the register, he wrote out the symbol on your neck and what it meant in English and what the little, yes. what the elements of it meant. He was very, very interested and very excited about it. Um, but unfortunately, that's like, that's rare. It's rare to have someone be nice. Is it though? Because again, I feel like, at least for the time in which I've known you, mm. you haven't gotten a negative response from who you are. You've changed a lot about yourself. I you used to have like a full Jersey head of Shore. Snooki hair. Yeah. yeah and I now you're you don't you don't have like you don't you have very short hair. You have I, I would I would venture to say no hair. Shaved, yeah. And like even doing that, I've never seen anybody talk shit on you. I've never seen anybody like hate on you for it or like look at you weird in the street or I, point at you or you know. I get a lot of like stares and uh you know you think after four or five years of having a shaved head you wouldn't get as many, but you still do. I love it. Um, thank you. It's, I think it's, it's cute. very yeah. easy to do. You got a little baby head. I got. I have a giant. I I got. I was gonna say. Um, I have a massive head. It rivals your head and how big my head is. It's huge. My head's pretty big. If we had a kid, I'd be dead. It split me completely in half. Yeah, you'd look like a. Our kid would look like the fucking edamame. <laughs> Our kid would look like the Bill Clinton Eminem. The blue Eminem. <laughs> the blue one with the saxophone. Yeah. He'd come out with a saxophone. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I mean, um, I get a lot of haste, sir, but I don't give a shit about that uh, anymore. When I was younger and things were different, um, that used to be very upsetting. What happened that made you not care about that type of comment? Because I would, I, I don't have any experience in this, but I would feel like somebody who had really long what a stranger would consider feminine hair. Yeah. If they were to cut it off, like, I would guess that that person's biggest fear would be that they're not going to know if I'm a boy or a girl anymore. So, like, what happened that made you all of a sudden not care about that? Well, I mean, I think I, for for lack of a better term, uh, I feel like for a while I was doing, like, some sort of almost, like, drag for myself. Um, so like the whole 
Jersey Shore, Snooki, um, what was it, Jim Tan Laundries to get my nails done, do the whole fucking nine. It's been like three, four hours in my makeup and hair. Um, I think I was just trying to convince myself that I was feminine for a very, very, very long time. Um, because I've always been like, what, almost six feet tall. I've always been broad-shouldered, kind of chubby, um, muscular for a few years there, which was kind of cool. And then I realized, like, I can't, it's not, it's just not what it is. Um, You know, you can, you can kind of parade and and dress up in femininity, but you can't force yourself to be feminine. Um, So I think after, after a while, and it's only been within the last maybe year, year and a half. Yeah. That I've been like. Yeah, I'm sure that's fine. Like you, I, I gender isn't a thing for me anymore. It used to be a, a very big um, deal where I would feel like I need to look feminine because because to make up for how masculine um, I sound or how I approach things or uh, mannerisms or whatever, and I used to feel like I really needed to make up for it in femininity. So I kind of don't give a shit anymore. It sounds and it's like not a- that I kind of I, I literally do not give a shit anymore. I got called sir like six or seven times today. And I was just like, hi, how can I help you? And then they felt bad. But I don't give a shit. You can call me whatever you want. Well, as long yeah, as you're cool. Like after a certain point, you have to know that that's not a reflection on you. That's a reflection on the person. If they, if a person out in the world can't take the time to look at you and either A, properly assess you, or B, know that they run the risk of offending a person if they were to misgender you, yeah, then I'm... that person is not worth your time. Oh, no. I mean, I don't... But that shows ba- that shows badly on them and not yeah. on you. I mean, uh, the last... I say I mean a lot. Obviously, I mean, that's why I'm saying it. That's what my English teacher would have said. Uh, what I mean? Yeah, I'm saying I mean is like... I feel like it's a... It's a thing. It's like like. Yeah. It's just like a little It device. makes me feel like I'm trying to distance myself from what I'm saying. Because I'm like, I mean, like, I, like I'm not mm. expressing myself properly. What was it? What's the Sal thing? I wouldn't, I didn't, I, 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 I would, unfortunately, I didn't uh, represent myself properly on how I wanted to express myself. God, I love Sal so much. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, I used to get misgendered more frequently, um, negatively, but then you could tell, like, they didn't give a shit either way. Like, I'd have a full face of, like, makeup. Um, this was back when I, I gave more of a shit. Uh, and they just, like, stuck to their guns. They're like, that's right, call just sir, you're wearing red lipstick, no one gives a shit. Um, but now I'm noticing that a lot more people are, you know, today at work I had a guy just screaming, sir, and I turn, because why am I, I don't, like I said, you can call me whatever the fuck you want, just be cool. Um, and you see the panic on their face, it's like, uh-oh, like, I'm, I'm offending this person here. But they're always very nice, you know? So you're yeah. right, I've never really had a negative experience. I think it's in my head. I think there's still remnants of um, of feeling like I I could look, quote unquote, the part. I could look more feminine or like more um, what m- people think my gender is. You know what I mean? More in keeping with what they, what makes them comfortable. Yeah, and more in like yeah. a stereotypical sense. Uh, but it sounds like it sounds like your perception of those issues altogether is a rejection of a lot of the things you learned from TV when you were younger. Yeah. And I feel like 
I can relate to it because when I realized that TV was not the end all or be all, TV was not what it seemed. It, it was, you know, I mean, TV is an illusion. For as much as I love right. the stuff that I love, yeah, that's not the world. That's no. that's that's an image that's created to generate money. People watch it and watch the commercials and buy the things, and the whole world goes around. Once I realized that. It was a big burden off my shoulders. It also like crushed your spirit for a minute there. For a minute it did because, I mean that's that's a conflicting feeling to feel like. What happened? Oh, it's fine. To feel like, all of a sudden, the thing that. It's almost like wanting to be in the military your entire life. Right. And then when once you turn eighteen, realizing that like it's not everything you saw like on G.I. Joe or like in the movies or like it's not it's not no it's not fuck (laughs) you know what I mean but it's not it's not that fantasy like there's like there's a lot more there's a lot more involved in it and I remember specifically thinking that I did not want to be burdened in my life by working for the thing that I used to love like that would hurt yeah imagine like is that the boy? Yeah, Paulie's screaming because um, I gave okay. Kippo the, the fancy feast with the cheddar. Yeah. And Paulie didn't get to have any. He got to have the stuffed and sauced friskies. And so now he's tearing what the, the fuck fucking was house. that? Open the door. Open the door. What was that? Something <laughs> fell over. I can't. I can't. Oh, you're, okay. Your doorknob on the inside just turns Kick in circles. Kick the motherfucker <laughs> open. Hi, Kippo. No, you can't come in. That's it. They're just chasing each other. Uh, Kippo and Polly, everyone. Ah, very good. Enjoy the show. It's a good show. So anyway, yeah, that, you know, imagine like, okay, like you want to be funny and you grew up watching Conan. And then, no, you are funny. Thank you. And and you grew up (laughs) watching Conan. Yeah. And years later, you got to work at Conan. Can you imagine like. I would shit my pants. Well, other than the initial feeling, but just falling into that machine. Yeah. And then. One day, as like a twenty-eight-year-old woman, you wake up and go, "Fuck, I gotta go to fucking work." I don't want to. The same way you feel about like that the seems supermarket. Terrible. Oh, I you, love the supermarket. But you feel about the set of the show that shaped your childhood. That's like very that upsetting. would that would, I'd be no good. Well, I on a much smaller scale. That's I, I can't get with the whole. And I'm just gonna rant like an old lady for a second. The whole like, um, hustle culture. Where it's like, take your sad hobby and then fucking freak it. You know what I mean? I don't get with that. Because let's say you're an artist, okay? And uh, you pay whatever fuck you want to pay. You do your own thing, whatever. And then you decide, oh, fuck it. I'm going to make money off of this. I'm going to pay people's fucking stupid corgis and hats. And I'm going to sell it on Etsy. How do you enjoy that? You only enjoy it for the money. You know what I mean? So on a much smaller scale, like don't don't exploit your passion for money. Do you think I did that here? No, I think I think I talked you out of a lot of big ideas, which we'll see if that's good or bad. But um, no, I think you kept it pretty pr- pretty true. I think you ventured out with the radio thing, and I think that I mean honestly, it was good. I mean, the whole concept is good. It's good in the way that like uh, like when your dad used to do the public access show. It's going to be like a nice little thing to hold on to and remember, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But it you didn't like go fucking nuts 
and charge people fucking however many dollars an episode like other i mean i don't listen to podcasts i don't know how shit like this works but i, I know either. you don't have yeah. like a a fucking following and fans like giving you all this money and like 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 um like a YouTube star or some shit. I don't know what like influencer. influencer. No, YouTube never, star. Thank you. I'm I, 37 <laughs> years old. I'm 112 years old. Thank you so much. And, you know, like a YouTube star, like a talkie star, like in, <laughs> like in the silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be the next Mary Pickford. Yes. <laughs> um, Shab. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't have, have social media. I don't know what's going on. I don't have it in me to do that. To that degree right now. No, as long as you do what you're fucking doing, you'll be fine. Once yeah. it like starts to feel spon- like work, fuck it. The one sponsor I have was a girl who was super cool. And we yeah. and we and we got to know each other like freshman year of college. Mm. Fast forward, she lives in Boston. She has this like incredibly successful business. Sure. And she reached out to me. Right. Which is like amazing. And that's it's such a good idea to like harvest those connections that you have with other people and get them in on what you're doing now. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that right now is the degree to which I'm comfortable outsourcing this thing. Other than that guy in Bangladesh that I pay 50 bucks a week for him to promote the thing. Which is like the money well spent. You know 900 people listened to this show last night? Like human people? Like 900 listens last night. It's not just a guy on repeat. It's not 900 individual people. It's 900 times people clicked on the button. So it could be 500 people who listened to four episodes or however however that math works out. Wow. Money well spent. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't... I, I mean, more... I mean, not to shit on Conan at all, ever, God forbid. But, like, if you can work on Conan or, like, a big show that really influenced your life, Fucking, that's amazing. Good for you. I'm actually genuinely jealous of you. But I understand what you're saying of, like, imagine, like, oh, I gotta fucking go on set today. We're gonna go write for, you know, so-and-so today. Yeah, like, you end up um, and dreading it. That's, that's, that's a bummer. Like, what yeah. do you have after? Yeah, I just, that. No. But you're right. Bad. Like, once I, once I did realize that in my life, that, like, TV wasn't gonna be the end-all be-all, mm. I don't think I handled it very well. No, it came with a lot of other... I don't remember how I handled it. It came with a lot of other conversations, um, one of which being, like, the you're just a guy conversation. Yeah. And I think that was the hardest concept for you because for all these years, you know, your, um, your brain and your personality was being shaped by larger-than-life personas. And that coupled with you wanting to be on was, like, you couldn't comprehend that you were also a civilian because your dreams and hopes and goals were so big. It was like you didn't even, it didn't even cross your mind that you had to be a regular fucking person and like do dishes and, and have disappointments and work at a grocery store. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So the conversation for a while there was, Chris, you're a regular fucking guy and no one gives a shit about you. But not in a shitty way, not like, no one gives a fuck if you're alive or dead. But in a way that's like, no one is writing down how many funny things you said. No one is cataloging what you're wearing. No one um, is checking to see if you know all you say you know or can do all the things that are on the package. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just a regular guy and you're living your life. And if you make someone laugh, that's fucking cool. And if you don't, that's fine. Um, but I yeah, think that was really hard for you. It was. It was really hard. And looking back on it, I realized that, yeah, of course. Because it's like, it's like growing up with the dream of one day being Urkel. 
Like you, you're not gonna be Urkel, that. motherfucker. Like Urkel's a character. He's he's not Urkel when he's not on the TV. That's a person with like a life and and right. and, and, and all you know all right. the, all the complexities that humans have. Right. So yeah, I felt like in a way, looking back on it, I do feel like in a way I was trying to be the real life equivalent of what I used to watch on TV. And sure. real life and TV do not mix. They don't yeah. mix at all. You know. Yeah. Well, we kicked your ass out of that phase and mine too i mean to some degree what do you mean i mean I, we had the same problem of always wanting to be on and it was it was emotionally burning me out i couldn't i couldn't do it um and i i mean i had depression and anxiety attacks um i had i had to go to an inpatient stay because of the fucking the way it felt like if I can't accomplish this thing that I said I would accomplish, which was being in comedy or, um, like I said, getting back to what we we're talking about earlier, uh, I went to UCB because I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live or to work, you know, uh, in, on, or around SNL, um, when I was 19. And, uh, yeah, no, I, so I did UCB. Um, and that's when I started having panic attacks. And I used to do just the classes, like the improv and sketch classes. And I would, the same way you black out after drinking like too much, my anxiety would be so bad, I would black out. But I would still function. So I remember nothing. I remember none of none of those moments from, what, it was like a year and a half, two years. Um, and that's kind of when all that started. So it got to a point where... I felt like if I couldn't make good on the promise of, you know, being who I said I wanted to be, um, what the fuck was the point of living? Why, why, why would I keep on going? Do you think that there are similarities between what I described, which was that idea of, like, I don't want to end up working for game shows and I grew up loving them and now I hate them because I work for them. But do you think there's a similarity between that and what you were feeling when like you kind of realize that maybe you're not about that life that maybe, you know, yeah, at least not about that life from a professional standpoint, that idea of like being a comedy writer or being working in comedy or working for SNL doesn't seem like the, 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 the roller coaster or the or the or the the huge amount of fun that it might look like on its face you know what i mean it, it sounds like really hard soul crushing work and it doesn't seem like it seems like you found out that you didn't want to be a performer as much as you thought you did no you know i didn't even think <laughs> i have to laugh because it's just taking what it's actually september 11th 2021 will be uh the 10 year anniversary of me doing comedy. Um, and, and by that, I mean, just being in a room with very funny people and sometimes saying words. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, it took a, almost a full decade for me to realize that like, I forgot about the doing work part. <laughs> like I didn't think about that well, we, at all. We romanticized um, it. I just I, wanted yeah. to be friends with very funny people that were funny professionally. So I, could be funny with them and they were funny with me i didn't even think about like commutes and paychecks and and unions and meetings and like 
fucking working. I just I just wanted to be funny and have funny and see funny. Do you feel like as an adult you've achieved that to a degree greater than you would have in school? I feel like I could have did better in the way that I wish I could have stayed in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, because nothing gets my fucking blood pumping and my heart feeling full like New York does. Um, where we live now is not cut it. Um, and unfortunately, I've lived here for such a long time now that um, I kind of forget that there is a real world outside of where we are, you know? Um, and there's, like, real people with, like... Or you don't think Lancaster is the real world? No! How, what's, what is one difference between New York City and Lancaster City that makes New York real and Lancaster not real? Well, one, there's diversity. Uh-huh. And New York is, you know, is diverse. Lancaster is not. But the people... I. This, see, this is going to get sketchy because this is actually going to be heard by, like, not just me. Um, there's more life to the people in New York. They're, they've, they've, they have experiences. They've seen things. They understand. They're more open. Even if the most... I, I would venture to say maybe even the most closed-minded person in New York is still more open-minded than someone in Lancaster. And I just feel like... I mean, sorry, everyone in Lancaster... Um, maybe the new wave of people moving to Lancaster because they think it is like a little Brooklyn is like, maybe that'll help in the next decade. But I've been here for like, I think going on 10 to 12 years now since like beginning of high school. Um, and it's just, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, no. Oh, it's, it, it almost feels like there's no fresh air. And I don't know how else to describe that than like, it's just one contained environment and nothing is, can come in and nothing can go out. And it's just like stale. It's just a like, vacuum. it's almost like being in a fish tank versus being in like an ocean. Yeah. Um, and it, it hurts. It hurt. It physically hurts. And there, there was a point where you just have to, you have to kind of just suppress and just suppress as much as you can. And sometimes you get to read the times or the post, uh, or take a train and go out, you know, do your thing. Um, but otherwise, you just have to suppress. Like, there's nothing else you can do. But I, 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 it physically hurts, and I miss New York. Yeah. I feel fortunate to have made the friends in Lancaster that I have. Um, because Lancaster, and you and I have talked about this recently, more than usual. And I don't know why it's become more apparent to me than it has in the past. But there's this how do you say it? There's like this invisible sort of feeling of detachment where people like don't, they want to be your friend or they want to like know you like up to a point, but they have to also let you know, like, listen, I don't fucking need you. Like I'll cut you off whenever. And it's just, it's hard to get close to people around here with the exception of the few people that I've met. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because my like the friends that I have around here are very close, and the friends oh that you goodness. have around yeah. here are very close. Absolutely. But altogether, I, 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 and that's the only way I know how to describe. That's the only way I know how to describe it is like. There's this idea of just keeping everybody at like an arm's distance. Yeah. Unless you're from the area and you're a Miller Stolzfus. Zook, Weaver, Weaver. Zook, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. Um, I also wonder if me not being white affects that experience. 
I, I, it's only recently in my life that I've begun to think of experiences as like, oh, this would have been different if I had not been a person of color. Right. And Lancaster prides itself on the diversity that it has. Now, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure, yeah, right. I've only lived here for eight years or so, so I'm sure that hasn't always been the case. When I was in high school, it was so not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I, I mean... Even in the city, though, because you went to you see, went to high school like in a in a rural area, uh, was, but Lancaster City, Lancaster City, I, I wasn't allowed it. in Lancaster City. Why? Just I just wasn't allowed there. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, both of my parents grew up in the Bronx, so I think they were thinking city like the Bronx when they grew up. So I just wasn't allowed there because the Bronx apparently was very rough when they grew up, and so. Just anything with, if anyone referred to something as a city, which is not allowed there, just end of discussion. Um, so I was stuck in a very rural area, and um, we all moved from Long Island when I was twelve. So if you want to do the math, I'm a hundred years old. Um, and so when I was twelve, I found cats sleeping under a tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the son of Pepsi. Ah. <laughs> uh, and and so when I went to school or, you know, when I was getting enrolled in um, CV and uh, when my parents were looking for jobs back then, which sounds weird to say because it doesn't feel super long ago, um, they would ask my parents. And uh, to preface, I am I am white and my parents are white. And they would say, like, do you have gang affiliations? Do you have guns? Do you guys sell drugs? Just because we're from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can only imagine well, like what kind of bullshit yeah. not white people from New York went through. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so that's very upsetting to think about. And uh, I, this area 15 years ago was very different. Um, and I'm, I'm, Oh, I want to say proud, but I have no like personal investment in in this area. But I'm glad it's getting better. I'm glad it's more diverse. I'm glad there's younger people coming, um, and people with their fucking heads on straight and their mind right coming in this area and kind of uh, opening up the space for everyone and not just the people that were born and raised here. Um, 15 years around here, you have no personal no. connection to I give it. 0% fuck. Sorry, everyone, yeah. except for my three friends and then Chris's three friends. Um, but no, I've been trying to get out since they put me here. I I mean, I moved to New York. I live with my brother, um, went to UCB, uh, had to move back, which was very depressing. And I was uh, depression scrolling Facebook when we met. So romantic. Um and then we moved to back to where you're from, Connecticut, then back to Pennsylvania, then back to Connecticut, then back to Pennsylvania. And we've tried to pack our car and run off to Maryland a few times. <laughs> so I, let's talk about those moments where I will do that right now. We've done that. I, same. <laughs> I don't give a the fuck. same shit. The same shit. <laughs> we'll do that if right you, now. If we had the money and we had the, we had the wherewithal to just fucking go. If everyone gives us one dollar, no, <laughs> we'd have seven dollars. Yes. <laughs> 
No, no, no. I feel I'm that way all the time, and we've done yeah. that several you know times. times. We've done that several we've... times in our relationship. We've said, "Fuck it, let's go," and we've like quit jobs. Oh yeah. And told the pastor, and told my parents, and told your oh, parents, yeah. and told everybody, told our friends. Fuck and, yeah. Hey, let's. You better look for a job for us over there because we're time, coming. To... One time, you were sitting in the parking lot of a place, dressed for the interview, and we were five minutes before the interview, and you went. Do you want to move to Connecticut tonight? And I went, yeah. And then you just, you called him and said, yeah, I got a job in Connecticut. And like, you left. Let's explore why we felt that way. I felt or feel. <laughs> well, why we felt that way and why we still feel like we can because go I whenever think, we want. I think, for me personally, outside of the people I already know, because I've been here for a while, there's not too many... I feel like in this area, there's not too many ways to meet new people unless you're part of like a, a church group or you do that thing where you fucking eat soup in a fire hall for some reason. Like, you know what I mean? There's not really any social thing that isn't like drinking out of hockey talk or fucking looking at trucks, smushing other trucks. Like, right. there's we don't not too have much to, it do. to find social value in the no. things that there are to do around here. With the exception, again, of the people that we hang out with. We play right. games and we, you know, order a pizza and watch funny shit. We, we do that kind of thing. I, t me personally, I feel like being able to do that preserves the idea that we can shake shit up whenever we want. It's like living in a snow globe. Whenever we want, we can go shh, shh, shh and just yeah. make and make the shit go everywhere just for a minute. And and maybe once it settles, we'll feel different. We'll feel like maybe we shouldn't have done that. We'll I feel like never want fine. to lose that that ability no no that's and a like, failure once you do that I'm, that's like a failure as an adult well 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 because there i mean we know people that have children right and i feel like they can't do that so we can't say they're failing as adults because you know they decided to have a smaller version of them no no i don't make think, sure that, that no no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is losing that wonder oh yeah you're dead in the fucking water that's what i'm talking about yeah. not 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 the ability to move that's no that's, no no i mean that that I never want I never want to feel like I can't just hop on a train and be, get the fuck out of where I am. To me that's that's like a death sentence. You know, like that what is the point? Like are you actually living at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this uh, yeah, I have no personal connection to this area. Um like I said, I've been trying to get out since they put me in. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, I, I just feel like I... Oh, shit. <laughs> I have more to give than this area allows. And I feel like it's mentally suppressing me. Um... So this, I'm sorry. This this is probably the saddest conversation you've ever had. It's not sad. It's, it's bumming me out. <laughs> for what it's, for what it's worth, I mean, don't be bummed out because for what it's worth, we have a worthwhile existence carved out here. Oh yeah. Like Lancaster altogether for the eight years, at least for the eight years that I've lived here with you, it's treated us pretty well. I mean, it has. I I developed a career here. I developed like a career that could really bring us wherever we would want to go you know what i mean yeah so like in that way i, I got kind of professionally post-college got my start here so in that way like i look i look on lancaster kind of fondly other than that i mean yeah it's boring as shit 
And I, you it's, know, yeah, it's pretty boring. Sorry, guys. Um, no, I mean, I feel like you could leave me here another ten years, and I still wouldn't have a personal connection to it. Well, that's fine. You, it's just not where I am. No, you're in New York. You're a New York girl. Yeah. Want to know something cool? It has been three days. Fifty-three minutes. We are just about done. We didn't talk about anything of importance. We talked about a lot of stuff. We we, we went all over the place. How how do you feel about this experience now? Having, I was just about to say, do me a podcast. Do me like one of your podcast boys. Okay. Okay. Uh, Kat, I ask this question of everybody who comes on the show because participation in the show was a choice. I put out a form. I asked for basic information. And based on that, based on you seeing that post, you filled it out. And now you're having this conversation. The with dead me. eyes of which you, you say that whole spiel and stare into the fucking LED light. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> why, why, why did you want to do this? Because you, you thought it'd be cool. And I love you. And I want to do good by you. No. Um, a because... I, I did think it would be cool. Oh, but... yeah. Um... I miss having conversations with people. <laughs> I miss having conversations in a structured way. And I miss talking about things that uh, I actually am interested in. Because in, you don't find that too often. Usually people just say shit at you. And then you listen. And you like volley it back. And then they have nothing for you. Yeah. Um, and so that fucking sucks. So it's nice to have a conversation. This is what everybody who talks to me in this room goes through. They talk for an hour and then and they reflect on it. So this is this is it. This is this is this is the show. This is the meme. I just I wish I would have had something more excitable or cool to say. So I'd be like everyone's like, wow, that was so worth listening to Chris's wife because we were interested for some reason. Instead of being like, I wanna be funny and there was a time where I thought I wasn't funny and I was gonna kill myself and now I live in an area where I'm not funny. The, the thing about this show is that no matter what the conversation is, it's the conversation that needed to be had at that moment. Yeah, that's fair. I used to really beat the shit out of myself after I finished talking with somebody. I'd hang up and I'd go, fuck, I should have asked this. I should have, should have talked about this. I should have hit on this. I, I mentioned this. I'm sure they wanted to talk about this. We did it. But the conversation isn't so much about... Like, it's about the content. Mm-hmm. But it's also just about the feeling that like that that dance you know what i mean yeah like there's a you know there's a thing where you you know if, if you listen to any episode you can hear the moment where somebody like really starts to open up or somebody says something like oh i've never told anyone this before or you know like uh, it, it, establishing that trust yeah so every episode is a journey in establishing trust well it's different because we're like marriage we're legally married yeah you're not a stranger but i feel like whenever i talk to you i know you better very nice. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So, so glad, glad I came. came. <laughs> Do you want to be podcasted? Yeah, let's be podcasted. Okay, wait. This is the part where you break it and then you make you make it a new podcast part show. All right. Okay. Wait, gonna, wait what do I do? You're, you're gonna, I'm going to podcast you. All right, podcast me. Okay, because I'm, right. a, I'm a, a video star. What okay. was it? A YouTube star? Yeah, you're a... You- yeah, you're a, you're a talkie sensation. I'm a virus. I'm a virus video. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this is the part where you're going to put soothing music. So if you can either sing it or you could find it copy copyright free. No, it's gonna be the credits. Okay, and then and then I'm gonna podcast you now. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, this is the Cat Podcast Show, uh, live from my husband's closet. Um, I'm gonna talk to a man who looks like a Puerto Rican Paul Giamatti. Uh, his name. <laughs> 
Come on, you know what? Tell the Paul Giamatti. Shut up. All right, all right. All right. Uh, his name is Chris Chris Carrion, and um, he's sipping a big blue tea. Yes. And so we're going to ask him stuff about his podcast show. Mm. This, is, this is the this cat is show. This is just a disgusting drink. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the cat show. <laughs> All right. Hi, Christian. Hello. Thanks for coming on my podcast show. Thank you for having me. What's it like being a, an influencer of words? Well, uh, try try to speak up because the microphone is is not is not real. So, you know, the words, okay, are you know they're there and we use them, right? And I, you know, it, I uh, I refuse to answer the question. Okay, and so when you were a child, is that when you really? found your love of horses? I would say that when I was a child, horses were, were, were there, we used them, and I, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, horses, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And do you find that problematic now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would suck at this. <laughs> First it's not, off, it's not for everyone. I. It's like licorice. I'm a, I fucking love <laughs> yeah, licorice. Remember the time I left that grape licorice in that Jaeger bottle and Andrew thought it was human flesh? Yeah, it should look like meat. <laughs> it was fucking gross. It's horrible. We're done. It's That's done. It. It's over. You did it. You just, you're done. What's the red line mean? That means we were too loud. Oh. <laughs> I gotta edit that. Oh. Man, you did a wonderful job. Thank Papa. you. Mm, I love you. I love you too. Little baby head. What kind of podcast? I feel like maybe I could do a funny. You want to hear a joke? Yeah, yeah. What does one peanut say to the other peanut? What did it say? Oh, so hot outside. <laughs> cut. I love Kamodi. I love Kamodi. <laughs> Alright, let's cut this motherfucker up. If you live in New York City and run for either fun or exercise, here's a way to learn something about the city while you're getting in your workout. City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours designed with locals in mind. New York City takes pride in the diversity and character of its neighborhoods, and these unique running tours offer an opportunity to learn the history of a neighborhood and get personal recommendations from your guide. Choose from tours of 23 neighborhoods, including the East Village, the Upper West Side, Bushwick, Long Island City, and Roosevelt Island. For more information about the running tours and to see the list of neighborhoods and full tour schedule, check out their website at www.cityrunningtours.com slash New York City. Also, check out a live tour every Saturday at 10 a.m. on Instagram.com slash cityrunningtours. Let's teach people something super quick. Every year, uh, more people die from getting hit on the head with coconuts than they do from shark attacks. (laughs) (laughs) Like, dead dead? It's not that many, because, like, only, like, one or two people, I think, die from shark attacks every year. The low teens for the coconuts. Coconuts are hard. Teach Teach me something something good. good. Now on your local favorite podcast thing. (laughs) Yeah, all podcast things. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to apocalypsepodcastnetwork.com.